We're back. We're back. It's distraction. I'm Drew. That's Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm reading a good book that you wrote. Oh, look at you. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. Ding. That sounded plug. like some really bad stuff that happened to you. How come you never talk about it? I never talk about it, and I don't. In fact, uh, in all sincerity, like I was all planning to uh, to do sort of a, a Night the Lights Went Out centric podcast this week because it comes out next week, but we have more pressing matters to tend to, so we're gonna, we'll talk about the book next week, uh, but, but it is now uh, the MLB postseason, and so we have to do, you ready for it, Roth? Oh, yeah, no. I hope it's still sound. It's good. Yeah. Baseball wow. playoffs. Put a little good extra stank on the... The guide part there, well, I like that. It's because our good friend Justin Halpern is back. He's back. He's back. He Justin Halpern, all the stank, joins Hi, us from Hollywood. How you doing, Justin? I'm good. It's this long-awaited return. I know the listeners have been clamoring for they this, have. Char- this charisma to flow, flow through this <laughs> They've microphone. They've been so horny for Justin. They're like, "Where is the Harley Quinn guy? We need I him." Get approached on the street, and they're like, "Is that guy still making pizza? Does he still make <laughs> pizza at home sometimes?" I do. I do every Good. weekend. Terrific. Well, They'll be like, that guy, he's the, listeners, but... he's the guy who had the Twitter account. We know that guy. We <laughs> want that guy all back on the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm excited for baseball playoffs, but I'm watching them. Yeah, well, because um, your team, the San Diego Padres, faded in the stretch, so we did not get any, which is a shame because they went all out to make yeah. this postseason, and they didn't make it. And it sucks that we had to watch the Yankees play the Red Sox for the 90,000th time and have Simmons tweet bitchy bitches about Bucky Dent being part of the broadcast last night. So. The, that's my biggest thing is like Red Sox. I, I realized this last night. I was scrolling through Twitter. Red Sox fans are the perfect fans for this moment. They're like this set of like aggrieved, mostly white dudes who are just like sucking up the oxygen everywhere and the only their only goal is just to be discussed at all times yeah and like that, they're that's unappeasable like, they don't want like even if the team won the world series they'd be like the fucking yankee fans never thought that would happen right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it is it's like a hostage negotiation where the the people who are holding people hostage don't have any demands other than for this to keep going yeah but <laughs> they're just asking for more snacks and like, and then sending them back because they're like, this has got shredded lettuce on it. Like, and I asked when I asked for a sandwich, I want like the whole leaf. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no amount of ransom that's worth letting the children out of the bank. Like, they just want to keep you there forever. Speaking of being held hostage, since you are a Padres fan, Justin, you are preternaturally disposed to despising the Dodgers. And the Dodgers tonight have a one-game playoff, but they go against the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's like. Oh, like who? No, you have to root against the Dodgers. Are you fucking kidding me? Do, you have do to I? Root against- Wait, yes, why? Uh, I'm not sure that's true, man. Yeah, why? No. Can you can you explain why that is? Here's why you have to root against the Dodgers. You don't live in. Well, first off, I live in Los Angeles, and so I'm surrounded by. For so long, the Dodgers were just like completely irrelevant. It was like yes. ten. It was like ten Mike Sochas every year, and they never, <laughs> they could never put together anything. And then they literally they, they changed ownership. Good for them. And they just started like amassing. It, it was they just they just took advantage of the fact that no like twenty eight of the thirty teams in baseball don't care if they win or not. And the Dodgers were like, well, we'll care. 
And then they just spent and spent and spent. And like, I mean, come on, that Scherzer Trey Turner trade, you're still rooting for them after they um they like just load up their weapons cash. Fuck that team. So to <gasps> like the answer to that is yes, if they're playing the Cardinals. Otherwise it's more complicated and case by case. But to me, the fact that they're trying, it's the same reason I wanted good things for the Padres this year. Like if twenty eight teams aren't going to try, then the three or four that are willing to try, I think deserve a certain amount of of support i guess i don't know it's not like the dodgers need one nervous man in new york city to feel okay about them <laughs> like that doesn't, it's not a make or break deal for them but for some reason i never hated them i think because they they do spend all the money but they also do the little things right like it's not the steinbrenner like 90s yeah. model where you just go out and hungry hungry hippos on the free agent market every year and then see if it works out I think I'm, you know, part a large part of my hatred for them is that I'm a Padres fan and that, like, they're, you know, we went out and got Blake Snell and we went out and got you Darvish and then they were just like, well, we can't allow you to feel good about yourself for even a moment. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to load up with a thousand more players because we can because baseball is a MLM and it doesn't matter. Yeah. The NL West was so stupid this year, too. I mean, I feel like the Padres, like, they, they did legit fall apart at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. But no one should have accounted or would have accounted for the Giants winning 107 games with, like, basically, like, a KBO roster, like, which is fine. It's cool in, its, in the abstract sense, the idea of a playoff team built around slugging Darren Ruff and a bunch of bullpen guys that pitched in the Atlantic League two years ago. Like, that's all great. In its way, but it means that, like, the Padres who did try uh, are on the outside looking in with, like, you know, a total of wins in the 90s and a season that should probably have put them in second place. Like, Can I go back for a second, yeah. Justin? Because, you know, we're talking about sort of the standard, eh, they spent too much money type shit. But really, your beef is more with the fans of the Dodgers. Because I, I don't live in L.A., so I don't have to deal with their fans. All I know is, you know, Vin Scully and Wedicate White uniforms – and the beautiful view, uh, you know, at Chavez Ravine and stuff like that. So I have all these nice thoughts about the Dodgers, but I don't have to deal with their people. Right. Well, here's what happened. The, the Dodgers fans, the, the core Dodgers fans, I actually like. Like the ones who have been here for a really long time, who have like, who like live near the stadium. Like it's a large, like Latino fan base. Like, but, but over the course of the last 10 years, since they've become really good, all of the like, this is how I know when a fan base in LA has turned is when an agent will offer me tickets, like a, <laughs> a, like some sort of like literary agent, like somebody from WME offers me tickets. I'm like, oh, right, because that's what the Dodgers are now. The Dodgers are like, everyone who loves the team can't sit anywhere near the fucking stadium. And, and all of these dudes who are like named Colby who work out at Equinox during lunch, hey, they're the ones who are fucking going to sit in the great seats and have all the seats it's like it's the same thing so it's just a fan base of just like dudes who say like oh we won four points to three and like they don't fucking care <laughs> it's just it's just about like sitting where they'll be seen by other people at different agencies and then they can make passive aggressive comments to each other as, at the like free short rib station underneath the stage yeah, that's actually a pretty compelling case against like if you're describing basically the outdoor lakers is what you just said yes. like that's right. bad i don't like that they become they weren't always that either like the lakers have always been that but like the dodgers became outdoor lakers the other thing is that i you know i 
I usually enjoy watching Dodgers playoff games because I used to be able to watch Larry King sitting behind the plate and like progressively by inning, <laughs> his head would like his shoulders would go another two inches past his it chin, ruled, and his head would get lower. Like somehow, at the, <laughs> yeah. by the end of the game, his shoulders would be above his ears. Right. He was like cr- he was like Krang, where it was like his head was in the <laughs> midsection. <laughs> And, like, Mary Hart would be a row away looking pissed off for no reason at all. And so, it, like, that was, like, part of the ambiance. I required that. But, of course, Larry died, so I'm not going to get – they need to replace him with some other guy who's 9,000 years old and has had 17 uh, wives. Now and, he's replaced with, like, Ari Emanuel's third best friend. Yeah, yeah that that's sucks. a bummer. Something has been it. lost. You Like, the original L.A. terroir – of an old divorce collecting journalist guy just sitting behind yes. home plate, gradually decomposing on camera. You can't replace that with, uh, you know, whatever, another guy named Ari that Ari Emanuel is already <laughs> friends with. That's a waste. I've been told by uh, our own, my three, Anantharaman, that uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are like a fun team, in fact, and she's like actively rooting for them. And she's trying to like recruit us to root for them, which I find kind of disgusting and repulsive, honestly. I mean, so where is- are the ethics, my three? This is what I'll say about the Cardinals. So I watched, I hadn't watched much of them the whole year. And then the Padres were a, a half game during the middle of the Padres collapse. They were a half game behind St. Louis for the wild card going into a three game series against St. Louis. And I watched the series and they are filled with like all of these dudes who they've kind of brought up through the minors who have just like the Cardinal way, which is annoying, but also real yeah you gotta and, respect it even though there's no obligation whatsoever to like it in any way i don't, yes, I don't have exactly. to respect it i can but spit the, on it the other thing and roth i think you'll appreciate this the other thing i hate about the dodgers is i think a likable team has a lot of someday remember these guys guys and the dodgers don't have that the dodgers have all stars yeah, like, they're a little too much like the, whatever. You had the like third pick in a six-team fantasy draft and just <laughs> really prepared your ass off for it. And everybody's sort of halfway through the season wondering how you also have Tony Gonsolin. Like that guy was on the waiver wire for that long. Like yeah. everybody else fucked up. There's also like, the f- – oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say like 20 years from now, you'll be like, yeah, you remember this guy? And be like, yeah, I remember him. He was a seven-time All-Star. Yeah, like, right. Like is- he's actually like, considered good to have a uh, fringe Hall of Fame case, like every yeah. other player in the lineup of this team. The Cardinals, the one thing that I can also say for them in terms of like relative to the Dodgers is that the guys that they didn't develop are all dudes that they seemingly added strictly for maximum trauma for Dodger fans. That seeing like <laughs> Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado as the recognizable yes. names on a team is like that will provoke flashbacks in the William Morris Endeavor guys if they follow baseball close enough because they will have very vivid memories of those guys fucking their shit up. Yeah. They also, um, you know, we, we even talked about the specter of Trevor Bauer that hangs over the team. And Ugh. they signed him basically, you know, to gild the lily. And he's, you know, he will not play for the rest of the season. He may never play baseball again. But the idea that they signed him you know, just sort of like, it's like, you know what, we'll just throw throw him on the pile, too. And he, he's turned out to be, allegedly, and quite credibly, one of the worst, you know, sex offenders in the history of North American sports. It's it's gross to think about. It's very, very icky, and I and don't. And they knew, like, obviously they didn't know, or I'm guessing, they didn't know the extent to which he was a gross Fucker. They knew he was um, a piece of shit, though. They knew, yeah. but that's what I'm saying is they knew. Like you spend two seconds. Like if you're hiring anyone, you go to their social media before you hire, it, and you're like, oh, let's just get a gist of what this person's like. 
Like, I don't care if you're hiring a baseball player or like someone to work at Defector, like you're going to do that. Yeah. And I and don't if, know how you could look that at that. If that percentage is like 75% gang harassment of random women with 75 <laughs> followers, like that should be, I guess, like a red flag of some kind, I would say. You didn't even need a PI for that shit. Like your kid could have just given you a report on like all the shit yeah. that he pulled. Yeah, like, the Dodgers needed like one 16-year-old to be <laughs> on their staff to be like, yeah, this guy's no good. That's the part of it that I'm going to just, I'll say it now and then I'm going to try to forget about it as I try to enjoy the baseball, is that the Dodgers as an organization are, were and are, I think, way scummier than they needed to be in terms of how they, they the famous uh, crimes.xls spreadsheet that they had in their front office that just basically listed all of the sometimes really bad malfeasance that their minor leaguers had committed, that they just sort of kept, that was how they, uh, you know, kept abreast of who was like a serial drunk driver on the double A Albuquerque Dukes or whatever. Yes. I guess it'd be San Antonio. But in that case, like, and then those guys that were, I mean, that Kapler and Farhan Zaidi, who are now the people in charge of the on the field and front office in San Francisco, also were a part of that shit. So that basically every bit of like National League West excellence and I do think that like the Dodgers are probably the best team in the yeah. playoffs the Giants were by the record the best team in baseball this year there's a there's enough scuzz on both of them that they're easy enough to cheer against even though the teams themselves I think on the field are decently likable just because the players are so good well yeah because also you have the Giants with their owner Charles Johnson basically donating to every last horrible shitbag he possibly can and being like, well, I'm not going to do that again. And then he does it like five seconds later. Right. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry. $20,000 fell out of my pocket. Ones. It's not like people that sit on a powerful appropriations committee. It's like he saw Lauren Boebert firing <laughs> a handgun repeatedly into a mannequin with a Joe Biden mask on it. And was like, how much money can I give that lady? The cross-eyed one. <laughs> it really, it's a despicable feel when you think about it. Cause, all right, so then I don't, if, a, if the Dodgers advance, let's just ignore the Cardinals for a second. If the Dodgers advanced and they played the Giants, first of all, it would be very compelling because they're natural rivals. No offense to the Padres. Like, they're, they're the no, real rivals. No, it's rival. true. You're right. Uh, which would be the more... Which team would you rather see advance out of that, Justin? The Giants. I'd rather, I'd rather see the Giants advance out of the Giants-Dodgers because I, I think that there is, like, this, this Giants team is just, like, it's what you said, Roth. It's like a KBO team. It's like a, a re reclamation project that just kept existing. It just doesn't make any sense that the team, like I look at that, even when you look at the stats now, look at the stats of the, in the Giants lineup, like it's fine. Yeah. It like, doesn't add up. It's really no. bizarre. It's like, how can you win 106 games winning every game, like five to three, like at some point don't, doesn't like very, <laughs> like, yeah. shouldn't you lose some of those games? Well, but I guess just, you guys just didn't see the grit. that was. It's, it's funny though, Drew, because the grit element is like, that's the part of it that gets handed down as an explanation. But even if someone says to me, you know, this is Brandon Crawford has probably never been better than he was this year. I'd be like, that's great. Like that's, he was never the sort of guy that was the best player on a team that wins 106 or 107 games before that. Right. Like I'm sure that, you know, if Brandon belt was also at his best this season, I would be happy for Brandon belt for that reason. But it doesn't necessarily say to me, then his team becomes prohibitive world series favorites because Brandon belt hit, 22 homers instead of 18 or whatever yeah what? and that's the thing is like baseball is sort of the one sport where it's set up where this shouldn't happen like this sort of thing doesn't happen in baseball because there's so many games and and the variables are are not 
as important, you know, because over the course of 162 games, it's all going to like work itself out. And with the Giants, it just never did. Like, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to face Gossman and Discalfani. It's like, really? <laughs> Who the fuck are these guys? Are you sure? Because like both those guys were on the Orioles like three years ago. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But the, the thing with the Giants, I'll give them credit for, too, is that they... Like, that is definitely a correct assessment of how they got here. And then they traded for Chris Bryant, and he was Chris yeah. Bryant down the stretch. And that's cool. That's what you're supposed to do. I think that the—I've been struggling to try to find something to write about the Mariners. And at this point, I think the ship has basically sailed. Like, they didn't make the playoffs. And even if they had, they would have lost the wild card yesterday night. But it's the same sort of deal where they, they were getting lucky in the way that— not like lucky, like winning because like a ball hits a pebble and goes flying into the stands or whatever, but lucky in the sense that multiple players way outperforming any sort of projection. They were getting lucky like that. And then the Giants like sprang on that opportunity to make sure to like improve their chances of continuing that good luck. Whereas the Mariners just did the Jerry DePoto thing where they just like changed five guys out seemingly at random without trying to get better. And, like, saved $100,000 in the process. And they, you know, they fell short. They came way closer than they should have. But it's the same sort of thing where, like, you can get all the little things right, but at some point you have to have, you know, a guy who hits third in your lineup who's better than anybody on the other team. Like, that just helps. Well, yeah. the, other, the other team there was also the Blue Jays also could have made the playoffs on the last day of the season. And this is a team that had to play half the season like between Tampa and fucking Buffalo yeah, because like, they couldn't play in Canada stadium because they were right. they were a, they were a living COVID threat to the nation of Canada. So they weren't allowed to in their own home country, and the you yeah. know the idea that they managed to be a contender all the way through is insane. And so to have that team and the Mariners who have been shit for so long and yet have fans who are so loyal to have them you know get to the 162nd game still in contention. And in potential of forcing 163rd, and to have it go to the fucking Red Sox and Yankees again. Just Literally the Red shit. Sox and Yankees. Like the default <laughs> setting for postseason baseball on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> blows. Over on the, uh, can, I, can I ask you guys then, since we talked about the top half of the National League bracket, the, the winner of that little three team rodeo uh, will go against the winner of Braves Brewers. And I have like, I feel like that my hatred of those two franchises is rooted in old man shit because I'm like a lapsed Twins fan. So when I think of the Braves, I think of like forcibly having to watch them on TNT all the time yeah. and like and like Bobby Cox being a shitbag and stuff like that. And then the Brewers, like they have the Bud Selig stench on them to me. But I don't – I feel like I'm dated in that regard. Am I wrong? Like, I think like the Brewers are – I think the Brewers are like – well, first, the Brewers have a player named Corbin Burns – who always makes me think of Corbin Burnson. Always. Yeah. Yep. Always. And he's also really good. Uh, which, but I, I think the Brewers are actually a fairly likable team. I think that, yeah. that it's, it's like a bunch of like uh, – my general feeling having played baseball my whole life is that um, baseball players of all the professional athletes are the dumbest like by kind of a substantial margin. Because yeah, like, I agree. To play basketball, you have to like – understand how to move in concert with other human beings and like football there's like so many plays and strategies and and you know there's 11 guys are responsible all of them this guy does this baseball it's like it's just much it's much more of an individual sport you can be a big dummy and get pretty far just go um, ogre mode go up yeah, there and, and mash something a, with a club i think milwaukee is just like a bunch of ogre modes 
<laughs> That's off. I mean, they made it work. They have a lot of people with the RBI baseball animation body type, which is always <laughs> like what you look for in a baseball team if you are me. But you're right. The pitching stuff, too. Like, I think they're the most they're the team that I would like to see come out of the National League. Because, again, they're they're sort of doing it the right way. They develop players to be better than anybody would have expected them to be. And the pitching stuff is fascinating. They just keep getting shit right. Like, I wrote about Corbin Burns early in the season and did jinx him. Like, I, every pitcher that I write about, I do this to. It was when he was on his big scoreless streak. And, you know, whatever. Like, I read three articles and th- synthet- synthesized them into one blog, and then he, like instantly experienced forearm pain and like missed two weeks, <laughs> which is the, the David Roth touch. But they, that's cool to me. Like the way that they win is cool to me. Uh, and I suppose, I mean, the Braves are also a scuzzy organization, but like the Brewers just seem like if you had to pick somebody to come out of the National League, that's the one that uh, compromises you the least. And then also, yeah, you get to hear Joe Buck say Corbin Burns and stop just tantalizingly short <laughs> of saying Corbin Burns in a bunch of different times. Well, also, the Brewers play in the city that they're named for, you know, and yep. Atlanta doesn't do that anymore. You know, they play in fucking Cobb County, which is, you know, the Greenwich of Atlanta. Like, it sucks. Like, it's not. Yeah. Uh, but also, the other thing about the Brewers is that this will be their fourth time in the playoffs, and... Like, they got to the NLCS the first time they were there. But in general, they're sort of like, they've become playoff filler. And that's not very cool. Like, it's, at a certain point, they really are going to have to make a World Series. Otherwise, I'm just going to say, eh, the choker is like a total pud careening in. It doesn't really know much about it. Like, well, the one thing I'll say about the Brewers is like, you know, I think if you're going to beat the Dodgers, I mean, maybe the Dodgers get knocked out tonight. That'd be lovely. But I don't think they will. And if you're going to beat the Dodgers you basically have to have three lockdown starting pitchers. You just, yep. you, there's just no other way to beat the Dodgers because otherwise you're going to be going into every game in the seventh inning. You're going to be down three, one, you're going to be down, you know, four, two, and you're just not going to win. And the Brewers have that. Yep. And they have a very good bullpen. I mean, even without Devin Williams fighting a wall and losing, like they still have a really good bullpen. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's tough. I mean, the Dodgers are, this is, the time of year when I'm reminded of how, because I spend my whole summer watching the Mets and like, they're, they're stressful to watch, you know, for other reasons. Like they're stressful <laughs> to watch. Like if you're on the subway with someone who definitely seems like they're going to barf and you're trying to sort of like figure out where to stand, that's the type of stressful that the Mets are. Whereas <laughs> a team like the Dodgers, there's just not, there's no seams. There's not an easy part of that lineup. There's not the sort of thing where you can sort of assume like, all right, maybe we get to their starter early and then, like you get two guys in the sixth and seventh inning that you can get to. That's not really true there. Like yeah. They're just kind of perfect. And that's, I mean, it's easier to admire from afar. I imagine cheering for a team like that would turn you into an asshole. Like it instantly <laughs> flips some sort of switch in your brain where you start expecting it to just be that way. It's not natural for a team to be that good. But what fun to be an asshole if your team's winning that Oh, much. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it would be great. I have not experienced, I mean, I guess I experienced it as an eight-year-old. But I didn't, I, you know, I had all kinds of other problems at that age, too. Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk about the American League real quick. All right, we're back. and We're going to talk about, I want to talk about the American League part of the bracket because Boston won last night. So we're going against the Tampa Bay Rays. And again, we have this weird thing, Roth, where it's like, okay, well, I have to either cheer for Boston, which no, or I have to yep. cheer for the Tampa Bay Rays, who... You know, they're like the Astros minus, like, the front office guy, like, you know, being happy that they signed Aroldis Chapman. Like, so I don't – 
what's my play here? Who, who am I? I? I have to root for the Rays, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm, so I've decided uh, this is like sort of, um, I guess it's an attempt to be mature. It's about a baseball team, so it's not really that strong an attempt or that mature a thing. I've decided I need to get over the Rays to a certain extent. I, I can't really afford to feel disgust at them anymore. Like I can find them distasteful. But they're so good at their shit. They're so undeniable at the stuff that they're good at that at some point I need to get past it or I'm just like finding another way to be unhappy in October, even though my team isn't playing, you know? Yeah, it's like I look at the Rays as like Uber, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's Uber, fair. fuck Uber. I hate Uber, right? I hate their like leveraging, you know, workers. It's it's just this like grist mill yeah. right but like, like technology in the service of dehumanizing people that are being underpaid <laughs> terrific yeah exactly but also like sometimes i'm gonna like i just have to accept the fact that uber's not going away and uber's right. going to, uber's going to be here and there's probably not an alternative to like uber lyft like it's just what it is and that's what the rays are they're just like they've figured out a way to make sure that they are competitive every year in this like just like chew people up Soylent Green sort of way. And they're just a tech company that happens to play baseball. I mean, the idea that you'll be rewarded for dumping Blake Snell, you know, and getting the one seed the the next year, it feels very karmically unfair to me. I don't really like that. Yeah, I think also the thing with them is that I think that the players that have come up through that organization, like I remember... uh, reading about this in the athletic earlier this year that they basically they understand what the deal is and their you know place in that organization they understand is temporary that as soon as they it's time for them to get paid they will be cycled out right but when they're there they get to win and they're treated pretty well that they get the best coaching that they are not you know completely cheaped out on in cheesy ways it's just also you know, again, you're cheering for a really good bullpen and a bunch of guys who, uh, like, take the extra base on singles and stuff like that. It's not <laughs> an inspiring vision of baseball. It is cool they have Nelson Cruz now. I like it when good things happen to Nelson Cruz. Yeah, and it's also, I think you there's a chance we could see, like, a very special Wander Franco sort of, Oh, like, yeah, that's right. They do have run. always fun when they have a guy that is still on that like rookie scale salary so they can afford to feature him. By the way, it's always amazing too. He's amazing. It's also funny. Like the way that they'll tout these, like, especially these like personal interest stories about these Wander Franco types. And in the story, they're like gleefully talking about how he was taken from his family at 10 and pulled out of school and put into a baseball academy where they like don't learn to read or write. They only play baseball. (laughs) And if they can't make it, they're like tossed back out onto the street at 18, except he was the one that made it. But they tell these stories like, isn't this wonderful that this is (laughs) happening? Horrifying. (laughs) So the, it's like a Charles Dickens story, but it has, but Joe Buck is telling it to me. That's cool. Sounds amazing. Isn't it so so cool? He had to go, he had to go to the baseball child, detention gulag right yeah like the jackie chan like biography except for he can play second base and shortstop that sucks it sucks that it happens to people so then the bottom of the bracket you have the astros who i think like i don't think that the, their grace period's over like i still have to hate them right and they're playing what i by process of elimination i can only assume is the most heartwarming team in the american league and that's the white Sox. like is that <laughs> Is that only because I'm friends with Tim Marchman, or are the White Sox a fun, likable team that I should hope wins the World Series? Halpern. 
The White Sox are a fun team, and I enjoy I enjoy the White Sox. I think they're built a lot more like the teams in the '80s and '90s that I loved watching. I think they're they're built kind of like that. Yeah. Um, it's Which a little teams bit of like, from the '80s and '90s? Uh, you know, like I want to say they're like those, like uh, you know, the like Kirby Puckett Twins Ooh. teams where they got like one star, but everybody kind of plays hard. Um, you know, I feel like those sorts, like the Cleveland Indians, they remind me of like the Albert Bell Cleveland Indians a little bit. Oh, okay. You know? All right. All right. Yeah, all right. It's like a few home run hitters and then a bunch of guys like way outperforming their talent in much larger roles than they were intended to have. Yeah, exactly. Which is a pretty cool way to be a baseball team or at least a, a likable one. Yeah. I will say this though. I'm on an island here. I don't mind the Astros at all. I like watching the Astros play. Because first of all, first of all, the cheating thing, like anyone who's played baseball, everyone is constantly trying to cheat. It's just the problem is everyone's stupid. Like the entire, (laughs) like I said, like it's just baseball coaches, baseball players, they're all dumb. And so just to even see them figure out a way to cheat was, was amazing to me that they figured out some system that required like multiple people working in concert with one another. But it was still Uh, real caveman shit. It was grog bang lid. That's what's yeah. so good about it. Like they're like the front office is constantly going on about you know we've got our big data is bigger than anyone else's <laughs> and our processes are much more refined. And then you kind of boil that down to its essence and you get down to where the rubber meets the road. And it's a dude in sweatpants sitting in a tunnel hitting a garbage can with a stick every time a breaking pitch is coming. It rules. Like that is perfect baseball shit. Like the manager yeah. sits manager in the in the dugout with like a fuck holding a fucking mag light and just clicking it twice for like yep. fastball. <laughs> like all the fucking like Harvard Business School guys in the front office, and then the one like how is Babby formed caveman, caveman also works there. <laughs> yeah, it's the funniest thing. I, I don't know if you've ever watched the Michael Bay Benghazi movie. Uh, I haven't. I have. Is it good? It's, and I mean by good, but I mean is it is it entertainingly bad? It's so bad that it's good. But there's a part in the movie where like Benghazi happens, and all of like the analysts are trying to figure out like what to do. And then these like Navy SEAL team dudes are like, "It's not your time anymore, nerds. It's our time." And like, <laughs> and that's what the the Astros feel like. It's like all the front office stuff, and then it's like you know Jose Altuve being like, "Take a seat, nerd. We're gonna bang on some trash cans and win yeah. this thing." Like that was great. All that trackman shit was really interesting. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to have my friend tape a buzzer to my chest. That's yeah. <laughs> really fantastic. Yeah, now, now that Benghazi movie is all I want to talk about, though, I just want I just wonder if there's a scene where like Jim Halpert like solemnly says to like some poor bastard at the embassy like. Hillary lied, and people are gonna die. Yeah, so good. The idea. I love that it's Krasinski too. That he did like four winstrol cycles and grew a beard and was like, "I'm a military contractor now." Yes, there's a like a three minute sequence where uh, guys are just flipping over monster truck tires and working out. It's like it makes <laughs> it's it like on the base. It's like like, it's like so they're getting ready for a fucking fight against Drago and Rocky. Yes, <laughs> Michael Bay so- rules, dude. So Sometimes you have to be willing to sacrifice historical accuracy for a like a weird CrossFit montage set to an audio slave yes. song for some reason. I actually I do think that's one of the reasons I love John Wick and why it was a hit was because it brought back the eighties uh arming sequence. Or like if you watch any like old Schwarzenegger movie, like the money scene was him arming himself for like five minutes, like putting yeah. bandoliers of fucking RPGs across <laughs> right. his chest and shit. Walking and you're like, into oh. just a big room full of weapons. Yeah, like, yeah. 
<laughs> he's, just, he's like, yeah, I'll go do some violence, yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm so hard for him to fucking fuck people up with a, a rusty pipe and shit like that. And John yeah, Wayne's the did only that. one still doing that. Yeah, he's a throwback. <laughs> and yeah. But he's doing it for Benghazi, which is so tone deaf and so yeah. perfectly Michael Bay. It's just great. So then, all right, so then it seems to me like the ethically ideal matchup for the World Series here uh, would be the Sox versus the Brewers, which Colin Coward would say, that doesn't play in the big markets. But anyway, like, what would be the most hateable matchup here, Justin? I think Red Sox-Dodgers would be fucking brutal. Yeah, it would be pretty bad. So that would be, that would be, would it be, would you still want to look at it? Would it still be compelling to you, like, sort of just from a pure skill standpoint? Man, I mean... The Dodgers are so much better than the Red Sox. I yeah. think it would be a sweep. But I, I, I you know, I, I just think in terms of like insufferability. It, yes. that's the yeah, high, that's for, what we don't. In want. terms of the the raw, like how high is the ceiling for how bad everyone could act? Yeah, Dodgers, <laughs> Red Sox is the Red Sox aren't really that good. I think Dodgers, Astros, which there is definitely a, a high likelihood of in my mind, like would be bad. Uh, yeah. But, what about Cards, Astros? Because like the cards are a five seed, but they've done the New York Giants thing before where they've had kind of a shitty regular season and then mm-hmm. just all of a sudden go on a tear. And I just dread that prospect and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I think like uh, the Cardinals also have like a few guys who really aren't ready for prime time <laughs> to be on. Like Tyler O'Neill, have you seen how tight his jersey is? He's like a bodybuilder that like is a baseball player and his yeah. jersey is so tight. I'm like, dude. You're not. You're going to be on TV for the whole country to see in shortly. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, tight uniform hijinkery happening in baseball around the margins that I don't recall. Robbie Ray, I know on the uh, Blue Jays this year, was wearing the tightest pants, and I've been watching baseball for a long time, going back to the OG tight pants era. I've never been able to see both of a player's testicles. <laughs> like at the same time through their pants until Robbie Ray came Is along. There, like, it's really. Is there like a strategic much. reason for it? Is it like the reason Tony Baselli would like wear like a size XXXS jersey like during games so that like he couldn't get grabbed and shit like that? Or is it just the style of the time? It's a good That's, question. Yeah, I'm not sure. You would know better than me, Justin, because you played baseball for like 10 years longer than I did. But there's not a, a tactical advantage to you're not intimidating people by showing them both of your buttocks. Yeah, right? I know. You're not getting you're not getting tackled on the field unless you're you know unless you're playing I think it's, rows or something. I think it's a response to kind of like baseball went to those like for a while it was like they were wearing slacks out yeah. in the field like yeah the, Barry the, Bonds just having having his shit go down past his cleats yeah where there was like no elastic on the bottom of your <laughs> like it was just yep. you were wearing slacks and I think it's like how in the NBA they had the like super long shorts and now everybody's moving to like you know the kind of like mid thigh shorts yeah. i think it's just you know cycling through trends but like tyler neal he's like he's so jacked that i don't know a jersey that could fit him properly yeah the thing that i'll give tyler o'neill credit for is that for all the baseball guys that did the sort of canned i'm doing my own research and i have some questions about the vaccine and i'll take it when i'm ready uh, speech tyler o'neill did all of that and then actually asked questions of medical professionals, did his own research, and fucking got the shot. And there's a story about it. Like, it's 
I guess like admirable. He's Canadian, so I feel like it somehow counts less. Like there still isn't an American <laughs> totally ball player counts that less. did that. Yeah, yeah. That like there's no way that somebody that went to Oklahoma State and said the same speech actually then talked to anyone. They were like, I need to read ten thousand more bodybuilding Instagram posts, and then I'll know whether I should take the <laughs> Pfizer or the Moderna, or I should just eat more fruit, and that will make me impervious to the pandemic that's going around. But do I give O'Neill credit for that. Do we know what the percentage of vaccinated MLB players is? They say it's in the 80s, but there's teams like the Mariners are basically as vaccinated as the average big city police force. Like they're like <laughs> maybe like 50 percent ish. And then there's teams that are they say they're entirely vaccinated. But it seems like it's similar to the NBA where it's like people that got it early were people that were aware that it afforded a professional advantage they needed. And then the stars on most teams were the ones that were most resistant to it. Yeah, but the NBA is like ninety five percent now. Like what's that? But the NBA is like ninety five percent now. Like yeah. the only hold that is like Kyrie, and he'll he's doing his Kyrie bullshit, and he'll get the right. shot. But then he'll be like, "Oh, I didn't really want to get it, but you know, they had they forced my eyes open or whatever." Yeah. I don't think he's going to get it, guys. Do you really I sort of not? feel like he, he might can't not. play a fucking home game? He doesn't I don't think he to. cares. I don't think he cares. Like he was, he took off weeks last year. And again, I'm not judging this. Like I would do the same if I were in his position. He just took off weeks last year because he didn't feel like playing basketball. And I understand that. It's just, you know, that shows that he is willing to walk away. Although he was paid for that time. He was I think paid. in this case, he doesn't really need the money anymore either. He's the the exception to the rule. Like Andrew Wiggins doing it, I almost felt bad for Wiggins because he seemed I legitimately scared for whatever stupid reason of getting the vaccine. Whereas like Kyrie Irving is just sort of one of those like he's just reading too many uh, Instagram posts about how pyramids are actually alien granaries or whatever to like really even have thought about the pandemic at all. Like he's <laughs> yeah. got bigger concerns, but they're all really weird and would scan as completely insane to us. Yeah, I don't think he – I also think he doesn't really like basketball that much. I think yeah. he likes it fine. I think he likes basketball the way that, like, I feel about, like, Shake Shack. It's like, yeah, I like it. It's like, <laughs> if I'm near one, I'll go get it. But, like, I don't – if it's out of my life, I'm fine also. Yeah. I have to tell you that I think you guys are wrong. I think he enjoys basketball plenty. I think I, – I believe his take of leave last year was due to, he said, mental health issues, right? Yeah. Right, so I can't, I don't want to truth or that necessarily because I've had mental health issues of my own. I mean, same thing. I've what seen I mean, him, though, I've seen him perform enough and I've seen him play long enough. Like, if it didn't really matter to him, he would have fucked off and retired by now. Like, he's been playing in the, in the NBA for like a fucking decade. So I'm not, I'm not I, I want to project like all the worst shit onto Kyrie. But ultimately, I just think he's sort of a dilettante, but still wants to be a competitive basketball player. Look, I respect him and I think he, as, strange and unpredictable as his personal politics are uh they're more interesting and in a bunch of important places more responsible than just about any other pro athlete we've got yes he's just also he's a dingus and he's weird and he's gonna do weird dingus stuff he's a fucking weird that's i think you can depend on that can (laughs) i come before we stop talking about baseball i want to posit one uh hell scenario for the world series that i um it occurred to me the other day when i was on the batting around podcast, actually talking about the same thing. Uh, a worst case scenario for the World Series is Cardinals, White Sox, and it's all La Russa discourse from both sides. Oh, oh, oh wow, yeah. yeah, all right. Wait, 
Can, can I tell a quick Larusa story? Yes. I mean, as tell it as long as you want. Yeah, please, fucking God, you have the floor. Uh, so my writing partner, uh, his dad worked for, he's from St. Louis. His dad worked for Anheuser-Busch for many, many, many years, like rose up the ranks from the bottom and was like uh, one of the head marketing guys. Anyway, long story short, you know, the Cardinals and, and, uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch long history. And, uh, this was, uh, he, his dad finds himself in an elevator with La Russa. And he's a humongous Cardinals fan. And this was when LaRusso was the Cardinals manager. And he goes, hey, uh, Jim Schumacher, I'm uh, uh, the head of marketing at AB. And LaRusso goes, yeah, I know. I heard uh, you checked out on the team when we weren't playing so hot. And he was like, what? <laughs> and then he's like, ding. And then, they wa- and then LaRusso walks out. Which was like the weirdest thing ever, because like, yeah, I think maybe his dad had said something to someone, like in a just casual conversation as you talk about sports, and someone had went and been like, "Hey, the head of Anheuser Busch Marketing thinks you guys aren't playing so well," and Larusa had like filed it away in his head, and then in this elevator. That's just, fucking amazing. I like that a guy that is he was basically at that time in his mid sixties was doing the like. Uh, Michael Jordan imagining LeBradford Smith talking shit to him thing, but about like somebody else in his peer group. It's like yes. some other old guy. He didn't believe in us. Fucking haters in the marketing <laughs> department at Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. They, this... they, the marketing department said we couldn't do it, but we right. showed the room. <laughs> we, <laughs> we shocked the brand strategy team. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, the Russa discourse is the lowest level of baseball. It's also Walking the quickest a way farm, to... Like, you like that? That's exactly... <laughs> no, I think the like, the lowest form of discourse is remembering guys, Justin Halbert. You want to remember a guy? I would love to remember a Your guy. Your guy of the week in honor of you, Justin. It's former Padre Ryan Klesko. You remember that guy, Justin? Oh, I absolutely remember Ryan Klesko. Man. Fondly? I, the thing or... is, no, fondly. fondly. Okay. There's not a lot to root for if you're saying you're a Padres fan. So when we got Klesko, it was like, it was a classic Padres thing where we acquire a player clearly after his best years. <laughs> <laughs> and Klesko was also one of those guys where I feel like if Klesko played now, I think the analytics on Klesko were terrible. Like yeah. he would like do some flashy things, but he was like mostly a useless player, like bad defender. Yeah, like, like you couldn't know, just... field any position, loved <clears throat> yeah. to strike out. Yeah, and... And he was like part of those uh, Padre teams where it was like they would just try to – all the Padres were trying to do back then was like get 24,000 people to the stadium. <laughs> like that's it. And Klesko was part of that strategy. Did it work? Southern California they... guy? That's a good question. I don't know. He had kind of San Diego vibes, like just in the sense that it's very easy to imagine someone who looks and seems exactly like Ryan Klesko trying to get in a fight with you in the gas lamp district. Or I mean, isn't that isn't <laughs> that every white dude in MLB though, Ralph? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of San Diego vibes there. Uh, no, but there's sure. a lot of like faux chillness that they project. That they're they're the least chill people on the planet, but. They project a, a faux chillness. Like, yeah, Klesko fit in that, like, Brian Giles, Marcus Giles, who are San Diego guys. Like, that vibe of, like, they did some steroids, but we're also chill, and we have back acne, but we like to hang out and drink a beer. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah, which is a, it's a very distinctive ballplayer type. You don't have to like it, but you do have to sort of recognize that it's real. 
Yeah, he was also part of the Padres teams where every single Padre had a goatee. Yes, like, which is it, really, and it wasn't a playoff thing. It wasn't like everybody's going to no. grow a stupid goatee. No, it was just like that was the culture in the clubhouse. You know, I, I was thinking about it last night, and I, I mentioned it, I think, to you, Roth, but I was watching the Yankees play the Red Sox, and it still blows my mind that the Yankees are allowed to have a facial hair policy. Like, yeah, in 2021, the year of our, like, does the union not have anything to say about it? This is the most puritanical fucking shit I've ever seen in my life. And St- old man Steinbrenner is fucking dead. He's been he's he's fully decayed. He doesn't like yeah. his body doesn't even exist anymore. Like, I think at this point players sign with them just because they want to play with their look. That's just you know they want to sort of tweet. Want to see like I, I mean they're the Yankees. I'm never really gonna like or care for anything that they do. But if they started. Uh, just signing famously bearded guys to be fourth and fifth outfielders, like just so we could all see Charlie Blackman's chin before he retires. Yeah. If they decided to do that, I would support them in that. Uh, Plunge by uh, time to play dead or canceled, Justin. You want to play dead or canceled? Yes. They have a bittersweet one. Dead or canceled? James Gandolfini is he dead or canceled? Justin Halpern. Oh, he's dead. He is. He's dead. He was never canceled before dying or after dying. A rare entry in this uh, game. And I thought of him, of course, because I watched the Sopranos movie, which is actually a very bad movie. And I I can't hurt this. It is. It's like, it's it's 50 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. Like, like they tried, I mean, he's spinning plates and trying to make sure, like, all the Sopranos characters are taken care of. But he's also got new players in there, and they're the interesting ones. But... Like, some of the L.A. Times made a good point where, like, you're not even certain what the hierarchy of this, like, old-school mob is. Like, who's reporting to who or even what crimes they're doing. They're just sort of, like, assumed to be gangsters. And then they just yell at their wives and, like, sleep with the Goomba and then occasionally shoot each other over petty grievances. But there's really no there's no logic to it. It's just like, well, we hope you like The Sopranos because we're just going to barf this out. And then at the end, at the end, and I'm not going to – I won't give away the ending – but the end, like the end, is very nonsensical. But they kick up the fucking Sopranos theme song, like the opening yep. credits. So you're like, oh, so you can tell somebody in the Ed Bay was just like, oh yeah, here we go, now it's time. And uh, I'm sad because you know, like Gandolfini's kid is in it, and he's perfectly good. But they don't give him anything to fucking do. Like they have him like lay in his room, like listening to fucking dad rock. And so like, does it play like a weird pilot for another series, yes, or is it just a thousand percent right. like? Justin, you work in TV. Like, you would recognize all the... You would recognize that it's a TV writer trying to write a movie, but, like, he can't unfuck his TV instincts to make, like, a solid two-hour coherent story. I would also bet anything that their plans, even if this wasn't his plans, Chase's plans, that their plans were, if this does well, we'll make a Sopranos prequel show on HBO Max. And that will be the the way we move forward on this. Like, there's yeah. no way they weren't thinking that. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they're still thinking of it. Like, like I know it didn't make any money in theaters. But I'm sure it did great numbers on HBO Max. And it's like, given like foreign rights sales and stuff like that, sometimes shit doesn't even have to make money here to like be considered like a valuable franchise. So they'll go ahead. Like someone was even talking about there being a sequel to this prequel in terms of a movie, where you see like more of like Michael Gandolfini become more like his old man because he's not at all like him in this movie but like it's just more it's just they're fucking a dead chicken like it's just that seems embarrassing to me the idea if the movie i think in my head the worst things that it could be number one was tony soprano origins you know where they do like the joker 
version of him. And I think that would be such a waste and such a a weird misunderstanding of what was good about the original series. But because it was the same people making it, I assume that wouldn't be the case. But failed pilot that is sold as a movie definitely was the second worst outcome to me. Uh, to that end, let's uh, dive into the fun bag from a letter from Tony, not Soprano. Uh, who writes, Justin, he says, I've worked in a bookstore for a few months now, and my least favorite section to spend any time in might be our self-help section. Every book is either by Malcolm Gladwell, who is gross, an expert trying too hard to be edgy by calling their book Kick Your Brain in the Balls or some shit, or a wealthy <laughs> failed child or tech goblin insisting you can get everything you want in your life simply by waking up at 3.30 a.m. every day. Are good self-help books easier to find than I'm giving them credit for, and where I correct in assuming that anything I pick up is trash. Justin, has you ever read a good self-help book or encountered one? Uh, man, I don't read those kinds of books very often. I mean, my feeling on those sorts of things are like, it, like if someone's going through a tough time and that book makes them feel better and doesn't also put them into a cult, uh yeah <laughs> then whatever uh it's a you crucial know. caveat because i think there's like whatever some percentage of it where like people read at the end and then they just are in amway like that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean i don't know i prefer that to like hustle porn with like it's like tony v being like hey go to a garage sale find something cheap buy it and then sell it for more <laughs> you know, it's like those people can fuck off and die and and there's an extent to the the people who write the self-help books, most of them can also fuck off and die. But, yeah. but I think there is probably, I, I would, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's, it's not for me, but like maybe it helps somebody. That's fine. I do agree that the hustle shit is worse to me. I mean, it's a very small distinction between the two, I think, because obviously morbid self-attention and just constantly like hearing Jordan Peterson's voice in your own head being like, <laughs> you should make your bed. <laughs> Like that shit, I, like that's fine, but that's your problem. Whereas the hustle stuff where the idea is you should constantly be out there, like just kidnapping guys and flipping them for ransom. Like, do you want it or do you not? Like, do you want to succeed? Do you want to be wealthy? Do you want to be independent? Like that stuff to me is more perverse and it involves fucking another person. Whereas the self-help stuff, as stupid as it is, and while I think a lot of it does resolve to the same sort of like seeing the entire rest of the world as your enemies that must be defeated, it's at least like interior as opposed to um, making it more annoying to collect baseball cards, as I imagine a lot of the whatever Gary Vee shit does. I yeah, agree. I, I think it's okay. like uh, I think hustle porn is like capitalist fan fiction. Yeah. And it's like just it just needs to go away. Yeah, because yeah. it's not really self-help. It's really just get rich quick, but in like slightly more flowery language, but not really. Right, like get rich quick, but somehow earn it because you got up before the other guy, which is the only thing you have any control over in a system that completely exists to fuck you. But in general, like, I think there are, I think there is a, a division of self-help that is less about, you know, hey, here's how you become CEO of fucking Hooli or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And more about like, like I've read ones about parenting books, you know, which are about, you know, how to raise your children and, you know, have, have a ha happy up healthy attitude toward raising them and, and so that they, they react and they've been useful books. They've been very helpful, but they're not like, they're not in the self-help genre in the way that like Tony Robbins is, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or I've read, you know, I, when I was having anger problems, like I read a book by a Tibetan monk about how to meditate and it's like, you know, it's like 80 pages and it's just sort of basic stuff, 
that's, you know, like, you know, take a walk and, you know, you know, how to breathe slowly and calmly to sort of chill your nerves and shit. And that's all useful. Like, I got no, I have no real beef with any of those books. It's really when it is super aggro and it doesn't have anything to do with the people you interact with. It's really just about you and like, and it, it's always come, always comes in a listicle that could be in like three pages, but it's like, you know, 15 steps to, I don't know, running a paper mill, whatever the fuck, like then that, those are all worthless to me. Yeah. Anything that's basically designed to enhance the suspicion that you are the protagonist of all reality <laughs> is like extremely deranging and shouldn't exist. Uh, yeah. One more. This is from Matt. Uh, he writes in Justin. He says, I say that our generation spurs a paradigm shift with how we position our bodies in coffins. We must abandon the conventional <laughs> eyes closed, hands folded over hearts approach and instead adopt a more badass and or irreverent positioning. If a grave robber encounters me, I want to scare the shit out of him with my eyes open, teeth gritted and fists clenched. How do you want your body positioned in a coffin, Justin? Would you like to be an alternate corpse or would you like to be the classy corpse? Uh, well, I don't want to, first, I don't want to be buried in a coffin. I also don't either. I, I, this also reminds me of just, uh, I'm going to be a cliche here and tell one quick dad story. Please. Uh, my dad's request, my dad sat me and my brothers down and said his request for how his body was to be disposed after he dies is he wants us to take his dead body onto a boat and throw it into the ocean. But not like in any ceremonial way, just like his loose dead body. Like he wants to go out like big pussy bump. <laughs> like like, yes. that's basically like right. Bin Laden being. Yeah, like he's, no, but like, yeah, not a, not a, like they, like, we don't want to, he doesn't want to be wrapped in anything. He wants his, like, whatever he died in, just carry him to a boat, take the boat out, and then dump him in the ocean because he wants to be eaten by fish. Um, but uh, I would say. Which, by the way, I told him was illegal, and he was like, "Well, that's not." not <laughs> He's like, "That sounds like a you problem. I yeah. will be dead at the time." That's basically what he said. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I, I, if I did want to be buried in a coffin, put me in whatever funny way you want to put me in that coffin. I don't, I don't give a shit at that point. <laughs> I'd like to be in a mausoleum, gaming, like set up in a chair, so it looks like I'm gaming. And I don't even game. I just think that would be a funny thing said. to discover. <laughs> If they, you know, whatever, they open the vault. The guy's in there just playing Mario Kart forever. I also do not want to be buried. In fact, we, uh, my wife and I, we, we drafted our wills and had them, like, signed and all that stuff during the pandemic. And we said we would donate our bodies to the state anatomy board so they could be used for, you know, I don't know, discovering a cure for leprosy or whatever the fuck. For talking too loud? Yeah. For having yeah. a very loud <laughs> voice that can't be turned down? Totally. <laughs> and then you get the ashes, and I, I think I was like, I would like my ashes dumped in the ocean or something like that, but I already know, like, it'll be like Big Lebowski, like, where you dump them out, and, like, the wind just blows them back in your face. Like, that's yeah. what'll happen. But I don't... Being a buried in a coffin, yeah, do what you want. Like, put me, I don't know, like, put me on my side. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm a side sleeper. I think that would be normal. <laughs> that may, yeah. Tuck me in there. Put, put me with, put my hand on my dick so that I die masturbating. Like, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it looks like when Marshawn Lynch flopped into the end zone holding his dick, that's how you want to look like you fell into the coffin. <laughs> Justin Halbert was our guest, and his show is Harley Quinn, which is on HBO Max right now. You can watch all three seasons, I believe, right, Justin? No, two, the third season's coming out early next year. Ah, see? And then uh, are you working on any other big projects we need to know about? Yeah, I'm producing a ABC show that's coming out in, I think, 
probably around January. Um, that's uh, with um, Quinta Brunson, who's a comedian and was in Black Lady Sketch Show, and she's very funny. And she created it, uh, wrote it, stars in it. We produced it for her. Um, and uh, it's kind of like The Office, but in an elementary school. Um, I like that and, pitch. Uh, yeah, can you say the name of it? Yeah, yeah it's called, it's called it there's a trailer cool. online. It's called Abbott Elementary. Um, oh, that's perfect. That's yeah. great. So right. she's she's super talented, and very funny, and I'm excited. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna do well. Well, congratulations, and thank you so much for teaching me about the uh, the baseball teams because this is you know the time of year when I actually pay attention to baseball. So now I'll actually know very very little about these teams. That's more than I knew an hour ago. Yeah, and you can jump straight to the irrational dislike phase, which yeah. is that usually is your weeks ahead. Well, now now I have knowledgeable hate. Informed hate is much better than irrational hate and I I so I'm, true. I appreciate the just, yeah. just having just having my base expanded so that I can go yeah. and and still bitch about the Cardinals winning things. Our producer and engineer is Brandon Nix. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer and our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. And also, The Night the Lights Went Out does come out next week, and we will have a more book-centric podcast about that time I died three years ago. But here I am alive and talking way too loud for Justin Halpern and David Roth. <laughs> Pleasure to have you gentlemen aboard. Thanks, Justin. Thank Thanks, you. everybody. All right, bye. bye, guys. Bye.